intent always matters of what the intent was, but you have to take into account the other end of the the reception of that message and and what the what a reasonable person would think in that time because that's constantly playing out you know or or, or we see that play out on the news or in social media but but a lot of that would people say well I was threatened it's like well were you though or or you know should you feel threatened by words because words matter but they're not as powerful as actions but if you're doing both of those right if if if, if I'm making those threats Greg and I'm sure showing up at your concerts, okay? That's not just words anymore, okay? That That's me making a physical point. Welcome to the Left of Greg podcast. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Left of Greg podcast. I'm Brian Marin, the host and creator of the show. As always, I will be joined by human behavior expert, Mr. Greg Williams, who the show is affectionately named after. Here on the Left of Greg show, our goal is to increase your advanced critical thinking ability through a better understanding of what we call human behavior, pattern recognition, and analysis. If you'd like to find out more about what that is, you can check the episode details. If you have any questions or would like us to cover a specific topic, please reach out to us at leftofgreg at gmail.com. Today we are talking about a recent Supreme Court case involving a man who is convicted of stalking and making true threats against a woman. Our discussion for today revolves around the question, what defines a true threat? For this discussion, we bring up a number of legal and behavior-related issues, including perception, mens rea, the subjectiveness of our experiences, intent, mental health, the First Amendment, and most importantly, is something considered a threat based on the intent of the person's statement, or is it based on the effect the statement has on a reasonable person? Please don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find the links in the episode details, and if you enjoyed the podcast, please tell your friends about it. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy the show. All right, Greg. Well, good morning. Uh, Today, we are going to be talking about what is a threat. And we're doing this um, sort of using a a, a current case that we just heard the uh, arguments for at the Supreme Court level. And the Supreme Court sort of has to decide in this case that I'll get to in a second is when is a threat a true threat? Now, we've talked about that from a different bunch of different perspectives, meaning if you feel threatened, you're going to act as if you are threatened. There's no difference between that. But uh, we see people use different, you know, uh, you know, terminology like threat indicator, which I, you know, me, I don't, I don't, I don't like things like that or, you know, but uh, um, they're trying to articulate something that can't always be articulated without a defined context and without further explanation, right? You can't just say, yes. well, this is a threat because if it is, then it's so obvious, you know, the person pointed a gun at you, well, you don't, that you don't need to get into what that is, right? That's very clear, obvious. Anyone would understand that, uh, you know, you've met some sort of, uh, you know, uh, lethal force, you know, uh, a threshold. So, so it's, it's either so obvious that it doesn't need a name or it's something that people are trying to use. So with this case, I'll, I'll jump into, uh, if, unless you want to say anything before I, I give no, it no, 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 great, great assessment, by the way, because there, there's a bunch we can get into and I want to give everyone the back of this and of course i'll have links in the episode details to for you to to read up on it but but here it is so this is just being heard out i believe in april at the supreme court and so they're revisiting question the court has never answered called when is a threat a true threat so this case involves coles whalen a singer songwriter from colorado and billy counterman a man convicted in sentences to four and a half years in prison for stalking whalen and making true threats against her so counterman's messages went over a series of a few years 
the police uh, estimate he sent over a thousand messages to the singer and that ranged from affectionate to angry and aggressive and gave the impression that he was watching her. So at one point, counterman inquired about her mother after Waylon had just paid her mom a visit. Another, he wrote, die, don't need you. Another message he wrote, I'm currently unsupervised. I know it freaks me out too. So counterman also served a couple, uh, two jail terms for far more explicitly violent threats against his ex-wife and family. Um, and what Waylon said, right, this is she, this kind of like ruined her life, basically. She was yeah, completely absolutely. consumed by it. She said, I thought, I'm, this is one time she was on stage. She wasn't even there or anything. She just started thinking about it. I thought I might be having a heart attack. I had to leave the stage, which I'd never done in all my years of performing. When I went backstage, I mean, I just sobbed for an hour. I felt horrible. I thought maybe this isn't worth it. Maybe I shouldn't continue. She stopped performing for a while. This is something that she didn't just have to put up with and could hire a team to go do, right? This was This was severely impacting her life. So the legal case here is the question is, is in this case is whether the definition of a true threat is in the eye of the ordinary reasonable beholder. So so in this case, in Wayland, in, in her eye of what a threat is or in the eye of the writer of the messages. So is it how the message was received or was it the intent of the message? So the lawyer, John Elwood, who is representing counterman in the Supreme Court, points out that his client has been diagnosed with a mental illness and didn't know he was frightening Waylon. So that kind of gets into mens rea and it gets into a whole bunch of other things. But yep. he's saying there was mental health. He didn't understand that he was th uh, threatening her. And he said a true threat standard that considers the speaker's intent is necessary to avoid criminalizing inevitable misunderstandings. So, and his point Great was, line. yeah, his example was, you know, if you hit someone accidentally, you may bruise that person, but that's not a crime. But if you hit someone on purpose, that's a crime, right? So, and he said in the internet age, and this is true, words on the screen are divorced from context because it's important to remember a lot of this happened over Facebook, right? right? So the First Amendment, he contends, doesn't allow the state to punish a person based on what a reasonable person receiving a message might think. The question is what the speaker intends. Okay, so that's that's his argument. So now Colorado Attorney General uh, counters that under Colorado law, the question is whether an objective person in the situation of the victim would feel threatened. And he notes that's what the trial was about in the counterman case. So he's saying this is why it went to that trial and why he was arrested and jailed in Colorado. And he said, since the founding of the Republic, we've had threat statutes that have allowed the prosecution of threats without regard to the specific intent of the person making the threats. And he said uh, he, he points to different briefs filed by victim rights organizations, different studies that show for the victim, the psychological effects of the threatening behavior is frequently far worse than an actual assault. And he said, we live in a time of rising demonization and threats of physical violence and actual physical violence. It's important that the law be able to respond. So the discussion here, is, I'll throw a bunch of questions here that, that we can get to, Greg, and is, yeah. is you know, what what does the prosecution have to prove? Uh, does it have to show that the defendant intended to frighten his target? Or is it enough to show that his words would have the effect on a reasonable person? Because this gets into what is the definition of a threat? They're talking about mens rea, uh, the subjectiveness of experience that we always talk about. Um, yep. There's intent and subjective intent. There's perception. There's, there's even a mental health angle in here. Um, and and so there's there's a lot we can, we can get into here. Those are the big points, but we'll, we'll probably get into a bunch of different areas, but I at least want to give everyone the background of the case of why we're having this discussion because legally defining what a threat is is very difficult to do outside of a given situation right you have to give yes. an example and say in this example this is what it means but in that example it might mean something different so 
that's everything yeah. up front. <laughs> no, that, it's and it's such. Look, we could do a month of discussions, an hour at a time, on the topics you just brought up. Right. And, right. And and there's so much that's in there. Uh, so let's give an example. Let's go outside big to inside small. Okay. So uh, uh, there was a caper in Canada uh, where an incel uh, 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 killed. And during that trial, it was brought up that the argument was that the incel is guilty of terroristic threats and terrorism. This is a crime of terror. Okay. And the reason that things like that happen is because we assign value to words that have already been defined. Okay. okay. So, and, and the reason I want to bring that up, and that's a side argument. Gosh, that's another podcast. Um, when the attorney general in Colorado was talking about, uh, he dropped the word in the sentence specific intent. Well, the reason he threw that in, and most uh, pundits, unless they're legal scholars, don't know this. Well, there's specific intent and there's general intent, right? Yeah. So, so what's happening is sometimes a standard is set. Like, for example, the the uh, uh, Supreme Court uh, this term revisits a question the court has never answered. The yeah. court has answered it many times. Right. There's case law. Wh- but, what a threat is. What a true threat is. But, but I, his, go ahead. I, I think what what people kind of mean by that is like there's no there's no legal definition of what a threat is. But there's case there, law. There's many many definitions of threat. And yes. in legal terms, there are cases where people use that term over and over, yeah. which now becomes precedent. But the yes. idea is that each case has to be based on its individual merits. Mm-hmm. While you can cite precedent, the idea is, is this case uh, uh, precedential? Yeah. So so the idea is that, look, uh, uh, first of all, the, the attorney general in Colorado, the line the psychological effects of threatening behavior is frequently worse than the actual assault. I wrote that down while you were saying it. That's huge. Okay. It is. So I also want people to remember, so I'm going to lay more facts on. Uh, uh, if you've ever listened to Coles Whalen, as she actually wrote a song about the Billy Counterman incident, um, we're not talking uh, uh, the Foo Fighters. We're not talking, uh, you know, uh, Mick and the Stones. We're talking about a good entertainer from Colorado yeah that might fill a venue of a hundred to 300 people once in a while. Yeah. Okay. This is why I love the Supreme court because what the Supreme court is doing is the Supreme court saying, listen, this case is important enough because we haven't fully defined a true threat. Yes. And the argument doesn't matter that this person isn't going to impact a million people with her song. It's that she was personally Mm -hmm. impact. Yep. And the law was there. And it's supposed to protect her, and it didn't. That's the argument, right? So the the simple argument is, you have a standard called the the uh, reasonable standard, which is would an objective person in that situation at that time do the same thing, right, or think the same thing, or react the same way? Then you got the uh, uh, truest, I'll call them, where you must demonstrate intent. Intent must be demonstrated in the threat. Well. A good dodge for intent being demonstrated is saying your client doesn't have the mens rea right. because they're uh, uh, in, uh, not well-educated or they have a mental uh, illness, yeah. right? So that's a dodge a lot of times. Of course. And I also say you got to take a look. What's the best predictor of future behavior, past behavior? Mm-hmm. And in this case, yep. Billy Counterman did the same type of behavior with the previous wife. And, and, and went and, to... And, 
and was incarcerated for it. He so, went to jail so, for it, what, so you knew better. If, yeah, so if you if you he made that argument back or then, should have known exactly. Yeah, that's then you would have had a chance. But, but now you, since you've already been established in, in this because specific what case, is it? Yeah, what do we call it? A pattern of behavior. Yes. So so the idea is that when you're taking a look at this specific series of criminal activities, it's hard not to say that there were threatening behaviors. And that uh, uh, the the benchmark for that is that Coles Whalen uh, was a mess. She was a, a shit sandwich. She would go on stage and constantly be fearing that he was going to show up. She didn't know if he was in the audience. She didn't know if he had enlisted the aid of others to do stuff. And Brian, nobody has the right to put you in that type of fear. Right. So here's a, a companion argument. If you felt threatened or in fear when you went to a movie theater because of the nature of the film, right. you know, and it made you fear that you were actually in danger for something, even if it was a documentary, you could always get up and walk out of the yeah, theater and, and change your situation, right? Right. But in this one, you can't because countermen uh, uh, and and the, the the key thing is that other cases sometimes cover things for you. So in stalking, his behavior. Uh, uh, was was criminal stalking as well, right? And and you said a thousand messages over a weekend. Uh, you and I recently read a caper where it was thirty thousand messages from yeah. Friday to Sunday. Okay, Brian, that that type of behavior, yeah. And and acting up versus acting out is a good point to bring up here. Uh, 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 he was given, uh, uh, counterman was given numerous chances to cease and desist. He mm -hmm. was given numerous chances. He was given a message from the court early on in his first marriage that this behavior will it not stand. Unacceptable. Right. You, you see? So, so here, I don't think that this is one of the first times I'll say that the general intent is enough as long as the reasonableness standard is met. So if you have enough people that would say, yes, I would feel threatened by this behavior, then it becomes a true threat. And it's one of the first and, and uh, few democratic arguments that I will make about the law. But this is a good one for that specific argument. So we so, might argue about that, you and I. Yeah, well, and here's here's what, you know, the, the you know, Attorney General for the state of Colorado brought up some good points yep. and saying, well, you know, and this is this is where we're going to see more of these cases because what his um not only is he making the argument is counterman's uh, attorney making this argument okay there's a mental health issue in here yep. um he's also making if you go listen to his his uh his, his arguments at the supreme court he's making a whole bunch of first amendment arguments yeah and okay which but that one that see that that I, and i get that because this was also like i said a lot of it's done over social media so they're both acknowledging the fact that and there's plenty there's other cases and there will be more as we move yes. more and more into social media of what constitutes a threat what constitutes incitement um what what exactly. is it so so that's that's great i love seeing that play out because it's important it's already established so how are we going to interpret it in the digital age and because, you know, especially with the incitement stuff, because yep. this this imminent, you know, lawless action, which is imminent lawless action, it has now it. changed over time. You know, yep. 1800s, you know, it was it was very different. Now something can be imminent. A tweet can be imminent and, and start yep. the fire. It, it took longer time back then. So uh, that's that's part of what, what's going on here. And he brought up the point where, look, you know, 
psychological and emotional uh, uh, abuse is is oftentimes worse than physical abuse or 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 on an par. and yeah. so that which is which is shown but that kind of wasn't always uh, you know people didn't really acknowledge that or know right. that really it was always like well he never put his hands on her it's like well jesus yeah but he's terrorizing her life and she's psychologically traumatized for for the rest of her life you know so so there, there's a whole bunch of those arguments in there and and this also gets into the that you know, what we talk about a lot and how perception is reality. And that's the thing. It's not it, intent always matters of what the intent was, but you have to take into account the other end of the the reception of that message and and what the, what a reasonable person would think in that time, because that's constantly playing out, you know, or, or, or we see that play out on the news or in social media. But but a lot of that would people say, well, I was threatened. It's like, well, no were you though or, or right. you know should you feel threatened by words because words matter but they're not as powerful as actions but if you're doing both of those right if 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 i'm making those threats greg and i'm showing up at your concerts okay yep. that's not just words anymore okay that that's me right. making a physical presence and that it, this is the part that interests me because they obviously brought in all the first amendment stuff and you know what like that that the the Supreme Court's typically been pretty clear on that. Um, yes. There's there's um there's 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 exceptions that have been kind of changed over time, you know, and and you go back to um uh even what was it, uh Shank right so Shank, Shank is a United great States. great so, landmark case uh, for anyone who knows it this is during yep. World War One uh, Shank was passing out you know criticize uh, flyers mailing stuff out uh, criticizing the draft at the time criticizing the war. Uh, but due to some legislation uh, that had passed, I forget what it was at the time, but there was some national security legislation that kind of made what he said illegal. And the, and the Supreme Court upheld that and said, yes, it, it, it is illegal what he did because of this law that is now on the books and because it was during a time of war. And that's also where you get the famous um, uh, line from which which even the justice that said it later on kind of regretted saying this because it's a horrible description where he said the most uh, he said the most stringent protection of free speech would not protect the man falsely shouting fire in a theater and causing a panic. Now, everyone uses that line and it's the worst line ever. Like you can't yep. can't yell fire in a crowded theater. Yeah, you kind of can. But <laughs> the idea that which but it, that that gets into what is incitement. Right. And incitement right. typically falls under the it's in tended to cause and likely to cause imminent lawless action. Right. That your words are meaning are going to fall under that. So. All of these cases then start to, start to kind of build up and build that standard uh, of what it means. And he's arguing that under a free speech, right, under a First Amendment. Right. Yeah, that's the mistake. That's the, but that, right. And we're seeing that play out over and over. And, and oftentimes when people talk about free speech and what they think is free speech is is usually pretty wrong. It's typically what I've seen is people like their speech to be heard and not and other people's speech. Right, right, right. And not other ones. And it also doesn't mean you're free from the consequences of what you say. It just means you're free to say it. But but that's the part where where I kind of like it seems like it sort of got off the rails a little bit in this yeah. case. No, we're not yeah. off the rails, but but I didn't agree. But this goes back to again, you know, everything we talk about is is what is a threat and how do you articulate what that is? It's based on the circumstances that you're in and that reasonable person. So there you have to take into account sort of the intent of the individual and and uh, how that was received, right? Because let's say uh, um, you know. Okay, someone wants to. I'm staying at a hotel, Greg, and I'm in there alone in my room. And someone wants to, they're just some punk kid that wants to mess with people at the hotel. And at two in the morning, that kid pops.
pounds on my door and says, I'm going to come in there and I'm going to get you. Okay. I'm going to be like, all right, what the fuck is this? This is annoying. You're waking up. Now I change that up. Now my wife is at the hotel alone at night with, uh, uh, with our daughter in the room. And that same thing happens that completely changes the dynamic in that situation. Right. Because of, even though that kid's intent was the same, the, the victim on this end, the person receiving that has a completely subjective experience and it's completely different. So does that change, you know, uh, how you can prosecute? Of course that, it changes. That means. So, so th- that's what I'm saying. Yeah, is, is, yeah no, no, you're exactly right. You're, you're, you're spot on the argument, but that's why your focus can't be on first amendment because first amendment brings in yeah. hundreds of years of case law where your argument is muddied. Okay. It's not a clear message. Uh, I, I think that, a counterman's defense would be much better by saying this instant, while regrettable, was caused by a lapse in mental judgment mm-hmm. brought on by an illness or injury uh, or trauma, right? Because you yeah. can use the first marriage as trauma and his incarceration there uh, clouded his judgment further, Brian. That's a good argument. Why? Yeah. Because now you can't bring in Shank and show yeah. that, you know, over time, look, this is what people don't understand about America. In America, the Pony Express was only around for a year, and then it was gone. Why? Yeah. Because we didn't need it anymore because yep. other faster means of communication came in. Uh, uh, P.T. Barnum uh, uh, created uh, uh, the solid Muldoon. Well, the first time he used it was in England, and he put uh, Portland cement, an antler, a rib, and like a foot from a chicken in- into a big mix and made it into a sarcophagus-sized human. And they dug it up, and he paid a bunch of people to say it's the most amazing find he's ever seen. And he did it again three or four months later, okay, and uh, did it on the East Coast of the United States and called it something different and said, oh, my God, we found the connection. This is the connection between apes and man and everything. Both times made hundreds of thousands of dollars on the discovery. What was the difference? The difference was time because you had to take a boat to get to America. So news didn't travel that fast. Right. So there was no uh, uh, imminent lawless action right. in, in something that took that long to get. And look, before the railway, before the Pony Express, took a long time. So if I wrote, I shall smite the when I see the in <laughs> yeah. California, right? Yeah. It didn't That's have true. the same kind of feel, did I it? I might forget you know? I uh, wrote that by the time I actually it's, run into exactly. you. Exactly. <laughs> or, or die of scurvy, right? Yeah, exactly. or, or rickets. But but so the idea here, Brian, is that what you have to consider now is that we're talking credible threat, mm-hmm. okay, a true threat. I know they're going to change the wording when the Supreme Court gets it, and the Supreme Court is going to come down with the standard. Why do they have a standard? Because if you're poly purebred as a victim and anything scares you, a loud fart causes you distress, you know, you passed yeah. out when you heard a shopping cart uh, tip over it, uh, wherever, okay, that's going to be a different standard for uh, uh, thinking that the threat was credible because you're basing it on the person, the intended victim. You can't always do that. The state has to step in sometime and go, this is what a victim is. This is how you can right. tell what a victim is. You get it? So they're doing that in our best interest because it'll cover more people and it'll protect more people. So the uniqueness of of, of uh, Coles Whalen's argument here that she was personally traumatized that has to go by the wayside. What has to uh, uh, come to the forefront is that it's not Billy Counterman. It's any person right. that does this behavior 
will be guilty of this crime, whatever that crime is going to be named going forward. You get what I'm trying to say? Because the credible threat put this person under mental, physical, monetary, financial distress. Mm -hmm. You you see what I had to sell my house for less money to move because Bakersfield just became too hot to handle. That's what we're looking for in a case like this, that this is going to be, this is going to set a new standard for how we look at certain cases. And I go back to that terrorism argument. Listen, when you start naming things and you start pulling things out of the box, then it becomes too specific. The law can't be too specific. It must protect all of us. And it must protect all of us equally. And it must protect Billy Counterman as as much as it protects Coles Whalen. Yeah. And that's a a crappy argument, but it's true. No, and and this this is why, you know, we we like, cases like this and you, yep. you brought it up too because you know she's not some super popular singer this nope. isn't this isn't taylor swift who has you know uh, a full team and actually like like taylor swift literally has you know cameras and biometric software that scan people that come into her show uh, because she has a database of known stalkers and they can just compare that to a database and they can know yes. right now or right, one of these people is here it might be someone she already has a restraining order against i mean yep. but this is a massive massive celebrity you're talking about right there yes. with their with the resources to do that well i can't do that if i'm just regular person on the street i don't have exactly. that ability to now i might but but i still might even that regular person on the street you still might be dealing with the same type of threat that that exactly. you know, Taylor Swift is, and and that's that's a good point in all of this, and and it's an important you know anytime I've had anyone call me and ask me questions about this type of stuff, or maybe it's a behavior from someone, and you know I took you know we just do the same thing, get the yellow pad out, write down what's going on, yes, and especially you know when it's when it's a guy doing something with a woman, and I'm like, okay, did you file a restraining order? You can get a temporary restraining order, and and it'll it'll go up and it's documented, and and you know you can you can present this is everything that's going on. They're like, well, no, I don't want to do that. It's like, well, then everything you told me about none of that's actually happened. And it's like, well, what do you mean? I was like, well, it's not documented. No, no one knows that yes. this is going on. So therefore, if he does something, that will be in the eyes of the law under the court the first time this ever happened. That's how it's going to be looked at. I go, if you don't do these things prior, or if you don't document it, right? All, all the is why how much how many times we say you have to document something that's going on. You have to make note of it, right? So that you have some sort of Absolutely. ground to stand on. And that all falls into the to, to this case as well. And you know, it 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 does go back to there, you know, things that we always talk about, no matter what the case is or what the situation is. And, and that words matter when you do articulate something, Absolutely, just calling something a threat that doesn't, that means something, Craig, you and I have a different definition of that word, even talking about Absolutely. The right now. So, Absolutely. so it's, it's, what is it that made it a threat? How right. was this a threat? You, and if you can't articulate that, then, then either maybe it's not really that big of a threat or, or, or you have to get better at articulating it. This is kind of, this is, it's on point, Brian, because this is what lawmakers are supposed to do because the nuance of the law takes time. And that's why Congress is supposed to be sitting around fighting these battles for us. And I'll give you an example. If they were involved in an intimate relationship, it changes the dynamic. If they're familial, uh, uh, that changes the dynamic. If they're an employer, That changes the dynamic. That's what Congress is supposed to be doing every day when they go to work, Brian, is figuring out those nuances and building a a subset of rules that are simple enough to follow, then challenging those rules to make sure that they work for everybody. I'll give you an example why cops hate this, because uh, uh, Coles Whalen is known 
uh, to Colorado law enforcement. Oh, yeah. Because she came in over and over and How made How many the times did they call? Right. And now they're going, oh, here we go again with Coles Whalen. She's a victim, folks. But yeah. the idea is that when you're a cop and you got like really big cases to fry on your yeah. you know, uh, front burner, last thing you want is Coles Whalen calling and going, yep. this guy made seven more phone calls. Now, if that sounded like an assholeish remark, understand that it was intended so. But that's the truth of the matter. And I'll give you an example. So Billy Counterman says, hey, listen, uh, you know, Coles and I were intimate for a good long time. And now, you know, it's just typical lovers breaking up. So the cop leaves and goes back to Coles and says, hey, listen, he's telling me that you guys were this and that. And she goes, nothing's further from the truth. I've never met the man in person, right? So yeah. that scrum starts, Brian. Yep. And now there's the belief cycle that goes on, just like with sexual assault and rape. Oh, all yeah. Those other things sexual where, assault is a big right, one. Yep. Okay, and and now all of a sudden, uh, uh, Billy starts intimating uh, during some of his threats. Billy Counterman, the the alleged suspect here, uh, starts saying stuff like, "Hey, saw you last night, and that was amazing." And that now, Coles Whalen doesn't know if he's actually in a position to make those or if it's mere conjecture, if he's just lying, if this is a fantasy sequence, right? So the idea is be a cop and be writing that report. Okay, there's a lot of allegations. There's a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of other thing, and now. You get a protective order. Well, the great thing about what Brian was telling you folks is once you document it, once you have a case number and a case file and you get a protective order, now every time Billy Counterman comes in and does something, he's violating the law. He's been told not to. It's like a trespass. He's been told, stay out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he came back in so he can get hooked. That doesn't make it easier in the long run. The idea is that Coles Whalen, we have to envision her as you and me, but we also have to envision Billy Counterman as you and me that doesn't know better in this instance. Yeah. So we have to teach him. Okay. So how do we teach people that their behavior is out of line? Well, we used to put them in a penitentiary mm -hmm. and make them be penitent, you know, give them a spoon and a Bible, right? Well, we don't do that anymore, do we? And we talk about rehabilitation. Well, Billy's uh, pattern of behavior, Brian, yeah, it is, shows. is yeah. yeah, it shows a lot. So is he rehabilitatable? And is this an offense where uh, uh, it's better served by the mental health community than by the law enforcement community? And the Supreme Court's going to answer all of that. But remember, yes. the Supreme Court doesn't write uh, policy. No. The Supreme Court is going to say, here's what's important. Focus on that and send it back down. You, you, you understand that, you know, and, and I want our viewers to understand that and listeners. The Supreme Court will say, yes, this is in line with the Constitution and the amendments to the Constitution. And uh, uh, we suggest you take another look at this part of the case because the answer is there. We uh, all agree that that means more than any of the other rhetoric there. Now, they could come with a definition. So the Supreme Court could refine and define threat, credible threat, you know, true threat, right? Yeah. But they're not going to make a specific decision where they say part one, part two, part three. That's up to lawmakers, Brian. And, yeah. and so this case screams for some congressman in Colorado to come up and go, we can't ever have this happen again in Colorado because this poor woman is ruined. I, yeah. I mean, if you read anything she writes now, she's not the same person no. early in her career. And and she had she didn't ask for this, Brian. No, she, she she was targeted by this guy, right? So so I think that's an important standard too. What comes of a SCOTUS uh, 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 case 
uh, is hugely important to all of America. Even though this is feels Colorado-centric, Brian, it could be your daughter. It could be your brother. It could be you that's feeling the pain, you know? So, And we also want to state that we want what's best for Billy Counterman. Now, if that's additional incarceration, we want that. Yeah. If that's additional mental health outreach, Brian, we want that too. And people go, well, how can you want that for? Because if Billy's really truly a mixed up kid that didn't know what he was sending, he needs help. Yeah. But if he did know what he was doing, and it's likely that he did, Brian, he needs a good spanking. Right. 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 And and that that legally that gets into the the I mean that that and that's that's what comes next is how how we handle that stuff is is not always great. And and you know he's he's shown now how many times has he done this? You know how many what what did it take for him to originally get incarcerated for for those types of charges in the past? And then now he's doing it again. You know I I I would say nine hundred calls in. Brian, some something had a trigger and that holy crap. That that's the thing is that you know it's it's to to me looking at this i would go well it's clear he's not learning from his past mistakes and he's been told exactly. this before and it's going to continue until there's some major intervention but that that gets into kind of the you know how how we deal with it societally and and, and what 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 we mean by incarceration and what, what we think people should do and all that but that that's constantly changing and getting played out as well um you know there was uh the the other thing you kind of brought up with your example of the you know, investigator or police officer going, Oh, here we go. It's counterman yep. again or whatever. Um, yep. that's, that's, that's kind of the, the other, the other kind of part of this case that I want to discuss because it's, it's how we take in information when someone's reporting something, yes. right. Meaning, um, you know, I look at it anytime someone says, whether it's, you know, us doing work or someone just personally saying, Hey, here's what's going on. You know, I'm not in that moment trying to figure out whether they're telling me the truth or what's really happening or anything. It's just a very much, okay, uh, I got a blank piece of paper here and I'm going to fill that up with what you say. Right. And and that's it. I'm not going, well, did you know, what did you think? Are you sure you really thought that way or really? No, it's like, okay, you tell me what you think is going right. on. It's not my role in that moment to figure out the situation. It's to what? It's to just flip that switch to receive take it all down and then right. go back and go, well, let me take a look at this. Let me ask you a couple questions. But a lot of times we come in with that, or I know what's going on here. I see what's happening here. And this is, and right. then, so we start to kind of, we start to miss those sort of indicators or we, we miss what's important. And that's just natural. That's human nature. We do that. We want that conclusion. Of course. You know, whether, you know, we just, we were just on the Distinguished Savage podcast talking to our buddy Walt, and he was talking about, Walt you know, Sutterman. communication I- I- issues with his, with his girlfriend going, well, I'm already trying yep. to give the answer and fix it. I go, yeah, because you're not, <laughs> you haven't flipped that switch yet to receive. You're already yep. in problem solving mode, and you haven't sense made yet, right? You, yep. you, you've already go, and and you, you sometimes that stuff, uh, you know, it plays out in these cases or it plays out in other cases, but it gets into, you know, the back to what is a threat. Well, I didn't think it was a threat, or that's not that's not a threat. It's like no, it is to that person. It is in that place and time. Precisely, and and understanding that it is is it it gets a little complex but we have to allow for that we have to know that those are going to be different there is no one standard for what that means that's why look i i got roped into to, to reading everything that calhoun and weston put out 
and, and buying their high priced threat assessment management strategies, you know, threat assessment and management strategies uh, 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 book, uh, which is more expensive than any book I've ever purchased. I read it in an hour and then I, I had uh, buyer's remorse. Uh, the reason is that when it comes to assessing and classifying threats, we're broken. And, and what I mean is that we've got this whole assessment criterion that all these doctors write about and they put together and they say, this is how you assess. But because it doesn't cross over into law enforcement or, or your legal rights, there's a, a disconnect. So, so what they did is they were talking about uh, Calhoun is the, the doc and Weston was a former copper that's now a doc. They were talking about howlers and hunters and how some people howl, but they never act. But the hunters are the ones that are going to act. And a long protracted case, our buddy Brian Urich from uh, Ann Arbor was talking about it, that the guy went and bought a gun and that they tried to intervene by calling the guy's mom and saying, hey, would you turn over the gun? That's going to you know, lessen some of the severity. It's going to take the pot from boil and put it to simmer. And so they called the mom. The mom agreed to it. And it was in Warren, Michigan. They called the Warren PD and said, would you go over and pick it up? And the Warren PD coppers went over and go, you know, if we pick up this gun, I'm going to have to carve my badge number into the side of your gun yeah. that you bought. Uh, we're going to put it in the evidence room, and it's likely you're never going to see this gun before. And the mom was like, well, I really don't want to do that. And then the doctors are going, yeah, but your behavior would help put it back. At Brian, this is why we need yeah. a gosh damn definition from the Supreme Court, because yeah. if it was a credible threat and they could determine that the gun was part of the process. It's it's part of the intimate knowledge of this caper and and removing the likelihood of a weapon or a person purchasing a weapon had something to do with the assessment strategy and the classification strategy, then we have something. But we don't. We have two uh, wheels spinning. We have the assessment and, and, and classification of threats over here. And then over here, we have the legal, what I can do based on law. So like, for, for example, in Colorado, where this case uh, started, the counterman versus Colorado, the idea is that uh, uh, you have Colorado revised statutes. So it's a statute and you go down and you go 12.2-107 says that you shan't do these behaviors while dressed as a chicken in a public location location, you know, yeah, right. uh, whatever. And, and Brian, it either meets that exceeds that, or it falls short of that standard. So, so the reason I'm busting up about threat assessment and management strategies, those are fantastic, but you're filling the page. You said it earlier, you're filling up the report with words, right? But what's the standard for getting something done now in those same things, they'll say, well, sometimes you don't want to go to the court and get a restraining order because that might exacerbate the problem and make the person mm, angry. Yeah. That's not that's, that's not true, not, that's and it's not, not fair. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, the 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 idea is that one, you got to bring somebody up on a radar, or they're not targeting. Okay. Uh, targeted rather. In other words, they're not in the 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 they're not on the lips and the tongue of the local police and the court system. Right. So so if 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 uh, 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 Coles Whalen kept silent about Billy Counterman's actions. Okay, and just lived with it, Brian, which a lot of people do. Yeah. And their entire life, their neighbor was such an asshole, kept yelling about the dog across the fence. And I swear to God, he came out that one day and had a gun. Okay, Brian, those capers happen every day and nothing ever happens with them. And, and if they do, they're a log sheet where the cop came over and goes, I swear to God, if I come back here, everybody's going to jail, right? That's how they're mostly handled. That's not the way that we need to handle this because this needs to be a benchmark, a landmark. So people that are being truly threatened, true threats, uh, uh, have recourse. And what's yeah. your recourse? So you can go to a cop and go do something about this. Because I'm telling you, imagine being the fourth cop into the series 
and saying, and so you've made a report about Counterman before? Yes, it was in Aurora, Colorado. And what did they do? I don't know what they did, but he's still threatening. Okay, well, what do you want me to do? Can you hear that playing yeah. out? Now, it, you're going to fault the coppers, but the copper doesn't care unless it well, meets a standard. It, he's not there to be a, a mentor. He's not there to be a coach in your life and, you know, and tell you what to do next. That's not what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to make a determination on the law, go to the detective bureau and say, hey, I think we got a caper, right? Uh, I, I feel strongly that we have to mention that because it's a hard life as a copper deciding what your real role is in that yeah in that and, and, well yeah they, they might not even know about any past incidents with this person's nope. reporting they're thinking this is the first time or first day would and and that certainly that, the first that, time they're hearing it right right and 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 that's that that's stuff uh um will will happen um and you know the the other you know parts of this too is is when it gets into the to, i mean there his attorney walked into the well this might fall under free speech realm and opened up yep. all, that that can of worms um and okay you know that that's that's where he wants to go with the case that's where he wants to go with the case but this is what i do see a lot now of people you know behaving on on social media yeah. where you do have these sort of attacks in a sense and people threatening or making threatening statements yep. and you know he brought up a he brought up a good point. You know, just what what something what you read on a response to a social media post is it's very much out of context if you're just taking that and reading that out loud in a courtroom. You know, you're going, yes. okay, well that that sounds much worse than it is. But in the context of this, I see you're angry at this post and you have the right to respond. That's what this platform is. Um, and and again, um, that's yeah. what I think the interesting part of the case is. I don't think they're going to get into that in terms of the ruling of the Supreme Court because not at this level. It, not at, right, well, right. because this case doesn't fit that mold. I, it's exactly. not one that, that falls. But they're going to cite it. They're going to cite. Both um, attorneys are going to cite the, that uh, when you said uh, uh, I will effing end you on an Instagram that it was less powerful than when you said that in that hallway at the hotel while you were banging right. on the door. Right. Do you, you see what I'm trying oh, to say? Yeah. So, so they'll bring that up to shine the light, Brian, but it's not germane to the case when, when it is going to be the conclusion of counterman versus Colorado. I agree. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. And, and, and this, this is also, um, Part of the reason we're having this discussion too is that you know this is kind of a, a semantic discussion because it's imp yep. it's important with with how we use words and that's why it goes back to when I see things like the you know a, a threat indicator or a pre-attack behavior yeah, or yeah, yeah, the, yeah. these these and they're you know sometimes someone's just trying to put words to something they've seen before but it changes in every context. So you don't know how to describe it in that context other than a pre-attack behavior or threat indicator. Well, is it a threat? Is it not? It's like, well, that's a that's a nebulous thing that changes with every passing second uh, based exactly. on what's going on in the situation. So you can't, you can't jam a square peg into a round hole. You can't fall into that trap of when someone does this, it means that. It's like, well, no, it doesn't. It meant that the last time you saw it, but it right. might not mean that right now. It, does that make no, sense? But right? but that plus artifacts and evidence. Yes. And now the atmospheric shift that things are in motion that weren't in motion before, and that that new constellation of elements coming together would tend to show 
that there's going to be imminent lawless action, Brian. I mean, that's why what we teach is legal, moral, and ethical, mm -hmm. because every culture on the face of the planet has what we teach as part of their legal standard. Yes. Okay. So this means nothing, but this and this and the confluence of that together, that generally means that you're going to be in trouble. Now, what other things would I have to see to make this an imminent threat to make this up. So like the law uh, talks about ability, opportunity, jeopardy, and preclusion. And we can talk about that in this context. Uh, uh, because if I said Coles Whalen, were you in imminent jeopardy from Billy Counterman's threat? Well, well, no, I guess not because I didn't know when he was going to strike. Well, now what we're doing, Brian, now that's that lexicon yep. in court starting to fight us. Right. So what we have to do is we have to come up with the right words for what type of peril or jeopardy mm -hmm. that Colts was put into. And if that's financial and psychological and sociological and physiological, Brian, that's what they're going to do. Yes. They're going to say if it meets that standard, then it was illegal action. Now, and I'll give you an example of, of, of this gosh damn security posture assessment horseshit that's yeah. out there online right now. Uh, so I saw a video yesterday. And it was a poor video. And remember, folks, if you can record it, you can stop it of a guy in the middle of a, a town hall. It's a medical conference. People are badged. They came in. They're paying money. They're at a convention center. And here's this table full of, of doctors. And they introduce the one doctor on the far right end. And a guy gets up out of the audience, walks all the way through the audience, goes over there and starts slapping this guy and yelling and saying, this guy slept with my wife and he's oh. bad and slapping. The guy's trying to dodge and everything. And people are getting up. And the first thing that people do, they start pulling out their phones and recording yeah. it. Right. Other people keep trying to go on with it. Hey, sir, stop. Some people feel uncomfortable and walk away. Brian, when you're talking about uh, assessing threats, if you're talking about doing it in the moment while it's happening, that's well too late. I get it. Asked and answered, Your Honor. Yeah. What I'm saying <laughs> is that if you're going to host a public venue event and you're going to invite people to that, you have to have an internal protocol for what if this gets out of hand? What if this slides sideways? What if somebody gets up and says, by the way, you slept with my old lady in high school and comes up and charges the stage? So, so here, when Coles made the decision to be a public entity with her music and host concerts, she had to know that she could reap the whirlwind. But it's not her job to rein in Billy Counterman. No. So, so that's the seesaw that we're on. Yes. Uh, in, with the doctor in the conference, he should have expected. He should have said to the people that are hosting the conference, I'm planning on speaking to the conference because we don't know if this guy's a nut or not. The story hasn't come out, whether it's a true incident, that the guy slept with his wife or anything. It was just allegations and a, a bitch slapping, as they used to call it back in, in the Detroit streets. But the idea was, Brian, that if we speak, what, what's the number one thing we're doing with this caper that's coming up in New York? Who's our security? What's our inner perimeter? Who's going to be invited to the event? Why? Because we are responsible for our own safety, but so are you, venue. So are you, host, yeah? And, and so in this, Coles Whalen had a reasonable expectation that she was going to be protected against the Billy Countermans of the world. The law let her down. So, so you, you see that. That's kind yeah. of a... It's a precarious balance. It's a house of cards, isn't it? Because, you know, who do, who do I blame? Well, I can always sue somebody when? After the fact, because you didn't uh, assess the security requirements on the ground properly before we showed up. You, you and, get my argument there? No, I mean, no. And I, I, that's I, another I, one. I, I get your argument. And the reason why a lot of these cases, especially with the stock and stuff, keeps happening, it's, it's not always 
the law. It's it's how these things are reported, how they're handled, and how yep. they're articulated. And, and this is part of the discussion because, you know, like you just said, police officer shows up, has to take a report, or someone says something, okay, great. Hey, there's not a lot we can do. You can go through the court. You can do this. Yep. And it's like, well, well, no, there is a lot you can do. Um, you can document this stuff. Maybe not that individual officer, meaning it's not their responsibility. It's the the, the victim uh, can do it um, by by you know by by using this and 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 actually yep. literally documenting everything that's going on. Right, taking this from a a, a sort of subjective to objective standard of yep. of what someone else would think, and really you know sort of going after it and staying on top of it because. It, it, you know, it, it's not your, it's your, like you said, it's your, your safety and security is your responsibility. Um, but this person doesn't have the right to to do this to you. And if you can exactly. show how much they're impacting your life before it gets to this um, um, catastrophic level or before it gets to the point where they may physically do something, you you can show that you can do that. Right. right? I mean, how many, it, I'm, she could go to a therapist and they could document all the ways that this has impacted yep. her life psychologically and sociologically and physiologically, right? And 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 show this this is the harm that this person's actions are doing. Uh, it, yep. It's not it's so it, then it's no longer cover. It's no longer covered by free speech or First Amendment, right? Because you Precisely. don't have the right to do that. And and that's what what I see in a lot of these cases. And everyone says, well, they're tough, and it's it's a lot of he said, she said. It's like, well. No, not necessarily. Right. <laughs> not if you really look into it, right? You it, you can show who's doing most of this and and then who's causing the reaction out of the other person uh, for them. So so that that's the thing is like and, and because a lot of them, uh, uh, you know, some of these cases or a lot of these cases are typically a lot of times they know each other. The the the, the parties, both the the offender and the victim, yep. had some sort of past, like you brought up, whether yep. it's a intimate a friendship or or they were together, uh, or whatever it is, and that's what makes them so volatile and so emotional, and that's what makes these so scary too, because those are the ones that can go off. And then to tie it right back into your town hall example, that's yep. more likely what you're going to have at one of those things where it's not someone coming in. To shoot up the town hall because of a terrorist attack. It's it's no yep. you you slept with my wife. I'm going to kill you. And then I in in the melee I end up killing two other people and maybe myself in that situation. That's yep. the most likely thing. Or that's more likely than than someone's going to you know park a a vehicle borne improvised explosive device outside the meeting. Right? Right. And those things we don't ever think about because that's the insider threat. That person, that doctor in your situation is the one who brought that guy to that place. Exactly. By its actions outside of work or his actions outside in some other context brought that upon the community, right? Because, yes. and, and, and like I said, I so don't why know. did we bring it up? Why did, you know why we brought it up, Ryan? You're spot on. We brought it up because we sometimes operate in a security arena. And if you're a security director or if you're a security guard or if you're just a person that's attending one of these venues, you have to understand what the security posture is. And if the security posture is non-existent or low, you may invite an opportunity for that type of violence to occur, right? And, and so when you're sitting there, the things that Brian and I would, would caution you to think about is that your cyber threat is real. So go get a subject matter expert right. to handle that. Uh, 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 that's not this case, but it's worth talking about. Uh, this case had nothing to do with Billy Counterman ever physically touching Coles Whalen. Right. Yet how the manner of, of alleged threats were delivered is huge. 
So consider that. The, the great thing, Brian, just like we tell everybody to go do a ride-along because they're free and any agency would glad to have you, you can go sit in on trials. Unless the trial, for some reason, uh, you know, the, whether it's a bench or a, a, a jury trial, uh, uh, unless there's some reason to exclude humans from it, the age of the offender, an undercover cop or testifying that, you can go and sit in a, 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 a courtroom and take notes. Uh, and listen and be wowed uh, uh, by the legal system. So your security assessment and your priorities have to be thus. You, you have to prioritize. I, I just jotted this down quickly, so go bear with me. You have to prior, prioritize what you really need protection of. Then you have to identify the, the gaps in that uh, security posture, then train and implement stuff to do it. So the the idea is part of that is, you're going to go to the cop shop and the cop is going to sit there and listen to the first few minutes of what you're saying and then say, yeah, it's not our jurisdiction or that's a civil matter. Those are two things you're going to hear from every cop that you walk up and talk to. Brian, if you walk away at that point, you're making yourself a, a, a mistake. Ask for the supervisor. Shift supervisor comes out and say, hey, your officer says that it's not jurisdiction, but I have to have help because Billy Counterman is on my ass all the time, metaphorically, and I'm Coles Whalen, and I can't be bouncing around Colorado worrying about this guy. Then that shift supervisor says, lady, it sounds like a civil problem. You go right across the street to the city attorney's office and go, what's going on here? I need protection. I'm asking for protection. Local cops aren't giving it. You see what I'm saying, Brian? Procedurally, in, in the security realm, you have to think about securing and filling those gaps and defenses. But yeah. when you're on the offensive, because you're the victim, you have to go, I'm not walking out of this office with the right answer. Do I need to get an attorney? Why would I have to get to retain an attorney to get Billy Counterman to stop what he's doing to me? You see, you see what I'm saying? And you got to stick with it because I'll tell you what, a lot of times the law enforcement and the courts aren't on your side unless you become the squeaky wheel. Why? Because it doesn't feel like a crime. And that's why we have to classify true threats, isn't it? Because, yes. you know, threatening behavior of this manner doesn't feel like a real crime. It'd be different if he slapped her. It'd be different if he made well, a box it's, and it's, made her it's, think it's, it was a bomb. You see how we it, think as it, humans, right? That, well, that's the thing. Is it, it, it's it's um, it, it's uh, because it's a subjective in nature. There's nothing subjective yes. about one person hitting another person. Anyone sees that and goes, okay, yeah, I got it. That, that's a crime that you yep. can't do that. That's very... It's it's simple and it's easy to see and everyone knows, right. but but because you know that there's some complexity in this with with that subjective nature of these things, you know. Well, look, you're you're, you're kind of a popular singer. You're on social media all the time. You got to expect yep. this stuff is going to happen. It's like yep. no, like yes, I'm going to, but but you, you that doesn't make it okay or that doesn't change the dynamic precisely. And and Precisely. that's that's the issue that you see with a lot of these cases, uh, especially you know the different stalking cases, uh, uh, different types of harassment stuff. I mean, because it's a seemingly gray area or it's seemingly subjective in nature, um, some people don't take it as seriously or they don't think it's that big of a deal. I, I agree, and, and and that happens. And then and then like you said, you even brought it up too. Is there some people that you know I a loud noise startles me and, and forces me to stay inside my house for a week. So right. of course I, I'm feeling threatened when it's just the mailman showing up, literally dropping off my mail. Right. Well, so exactly. you, you have to put all that into, in, into, into place and go, all right, well, what, 
in this context, what is this person feeling? What are they saying? What are they doing? What is the effect it has? What is the intended so, effect? And what is the actual effect? And what is the feeling effect? Like, what is the subjective you, you, effect? You nailed something exactly. And I'll give you a companion caper for everybody that listens to us. If you're on this long, you know what we're talking about and you're interested. So New York recently sued Hyundai because their cars are too easy to steal. Yeah. So New York so isn't, dumb. New York saw, isn't yeah. solving the problem Fucking by saying it's wrong to steal a car. It, Do you understand what I'm saying Oh, here? my God. So, so Brian, is... this is a lens. This is the type of lens that we should ask the people that listen to our show to look through. Because you don't deserve the type of behavior that's being bestowed upon you by another. And there should be a reasonable expectation in your life that you're not uh, predated upon or stalked. And this is a perfect case to show that. And, and, you know, Brian, I think it's important again to remember everybody that what Brian said at the beginning is they're revisiting this question uh, yeah. uh, because the, the court has never spoken directly about this uh, uh, definition of, of threat behavior. And that's why it's so important to us because so good. It, like right now, everybody's going, Oh, we should do away with the Supreme court. Well, there you go. Do you might as well that's, move uh, uh, well, you know, that's to the, the that's worst the, uh, place I, in the world and I just love give the, up all your rights i love the let's tear it all down crowd yeah yeah isn't that no, great they, they, we, they don't, never, we don't have anything to replace oh, we don't anything have to, with, yeah. right we like, don't have give a me better that idea. Idea. hammer no it's like it's not. like listening to a child you know what i mean yes it's like, yeah. it's yeah. Yeah. Reason. like right when a child reasons well that doesn't yeah. seem right yeah, yeah. you know that's unfair. i love the i love the sarah silverman which like that's not fair i'm like exactly you're right sarah silverman does this shtick where she goes but I feel really strongly about it in my heart. So that's true. And that's science. And I always <laughs> laugh because it's wonderful because that's why we, we yeah. caution people when we go into opinion-based testimony. Yeah. You know, uh, well, uh, if you, I'm you, just giving you, you my take on events, then we're not doing a 360. Your, the, right? the, your, your New York Hyundai case is, is, is it's perfect. Perfect it's, example. It's a perfect, it's a perfect example companion. of how fucking stupid we are sometimes. Yes. And and yes. I mean, really, uh, that that's absolutely insane. So it's one thing if you make a car that explodes when it gets in a car accident. Yeah, yes. you're, you, you got to go after that car company. They yes. can't do They're putting people in danger. But your hey, your car is too easy to steal. Yep. And that's your fault. Fuck yep, you. Exactly. What the fuck does that even mean? So, so then, well, okay, as, as well, Sean why? Clemens would say, as Sean Clemens would say, our consigliere, Brian, then let's do uh, uh, sue TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube for putting out there when the people do steal those cars yeah. and do the donuts and everything. Yeah. Well, you, you know, you're advertising that. So clearly you're, you're fomenting the, the, the theft. So we're going to sue you next. What? Where, no, where are we going with that like saying, extreme I'm going to press charges at this, uh, on this guy who broke into my home and stole all yep. my stuff. And then him going, no, I think it's uh your this guy's house is just too easy to rob from. And That's, I'm and it um, said welcome on the welcome mat. It's it said right there. It says welcome on the mat. So why I have the mat? I you, stole like, it too. I stole exactly. it too. So, you know, I got that. I got it rolled up like a big joint. It's it's sort of now, now if, they, if they want to go. All right, this is a problem. We need to uh, um, write federal legislation that yes. requires automakers to meet a certain standard going forward or something that makes sense they can do that they, yep. they, they can do that and it's and it's and it's literally like it's consumer but who does that that's it's now safety, to congress right but, but that, know, that's in, in our best and, interest of, exactly. of, the, of the of the of the the citizens of the united states to say well you need to meet this certain standard because so, this is a growing problem that makes sense but exactly. to just sue them and say your car is so why do we love steal? why do that's we love ntsb shit. brian it's, it's ridiculous why do we love ntsb yeah. Because they're prudent, yeah. they, they take time, and they come out with good rulings. 
So we go to NTSB and we go, the seats aren't big enough on airplanes. And we're not talking comfort. We're talking physiology and psychology. And sooner or later, sociology on a plane is going to get somebody killed. That's been our argument for a couple of years now yeah. that the raised the- elevated tensions. Now, the, the uh, airline industry has countered that a minute, the second that there's a threat, they land the plane and they let the people off the plane come on and handle it, right? So that's a mitigation strategy, but it's not going to work long-term, Brian, no. because what's going to happen it, is the seats well, are going to get smaller, the tensions are going to get higher, and finally somebody's going to go, you're ruining my flight to England, so I'm going to beat you, and that beating or the fall that's accompanying yeah, it gonna, is going to result in the, the death. person, the person stepping in to try and help is going to end up yes. killing someone. So, so that's how the law works slowly to get us there, where the NTSB would come up and go, if you don't change the size of these seats, there's going to be an incident. You see? So so yeah. we love that proactive, predictive nature of NTSB and how they look at these things and how they're going to happen rather than where you have to establish law and a law has to be broken to go back and charge well, somebody. It's because way too late. Because they're, they're, they're one of the you know, few investigatory bodies that say, okay, here's everything what happened. Here's all of the contributing factors. So yes. here's what we you need to address going forward. This is what needs to be changed. Yep. You have to change this uh, uh, flight training for this specific aircraft because we know this happens. We have to replace this part. You can no longer do that. There's going to be an additional inspection. And so, exactly. so they're almost writing I, uh, the the here's the suggestions for the policies going forward that that is be, being what that air the industry is where it's it's yep. so safe but it's so potentially dangerous because every time something happens yep. a lot of people die they immediately have to adopt that and then that's the that's it but we don't do that with a lot of other investigations just well here's what happened it's like oh, yep. okay but but then what well we know what happened it's like okay but uh, i'll, I'll tell you we need to take a book from ntsb when we're addressing uh corporate security workplace violence school, school shootings. shootings yeah any police and, officer uh, we can keep preaching well. to the choir uh, Honestly, exactly if you took the ntsb approach this would be a little bit more i think i think people understand it a little bit better because yep. then what do they do they say these are all yeah this person made a bad decision here but they were trained to make these three decisions and that's yep. the problem so it's not so much them it's the training yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and we I mean? have to take the onus off too look yeah uh, uh flying is inherently dangerous uh, why it's called gravity. You, you see what I'm trying <laughs> yeah. to say? So what we have to do is we have to look at police. Look, police carry guns on the outside of their uniform yeah. on their belt. Why? Because it's a dangerous task. And sometimes cops uh, with those bullets are going to shoot people. So we got to stop saying that every time there's an officer involved shooting, that it's a bad thing. What we got to do is we got to take a look at it and we have to say, here's the things that made this a clean uh, uh, legal shooting. You get what I'm saying? And then notify uh, humans so humans can look at it and uh, judge it at face value. Right. But what is our judgment criteria oh, yeah, now? Yeah. The age of the offender, the number of shots, the time yeah. it took. So, Brian, that's why I love NTSB too, because they give us a clear pattern, a clear timeline of events. They, they say it's this hexagonal boat at this time that failed, and that caused this reaction. That's the kind of thinking that we got to do. Science will get us out of any problem that we're in. Science, you know, not 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 all the rhetoric that, that we're seeing. And this is a perfect example. And that's why I'm so excited to see uh, uh, because Colorado did a great job uh, uh, of framing it. Now, I want to read that remark again, because I, I think that's such a good one. The psychological effects of threatening behavior is frequently worse than the actual assault. And mm-hmm. in this case, that perfectly epitomizes why 
uh, we have to go after Billy Counterman. And, and I don't mean him personally. I mean every the, Billy yeah, Counterman. Yeah, everyone. Yeah, on the face of the planet. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, I think that's kind of a, a good place to, to sort of end on. Yeah. Uh, uh, again uh, oh my god what a listening. big discussion though Frank, i'll put good, all the links call. in the episode details go to the the oea uh website for any supreme court stuff you're yep. looking at they do such a good job they give you all the stuff of the case right up front to look at and then you can listen to the arguments if they've had arguments already and now because of all the ai so you can get little transcripts you can highlight cut clip and all that stuff out so it's really really cool um yep. and if you haven't listened to an argument you know or or, or, or if you haven't listened to an argument in front of the Supreme Court. It's it's great. Incredible. It's, it's 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 interesting. It's sort of clinical. And when they reference past cases, which is what you have to do in these, right? You have to you have to have the, the precedent. Um, they they give this very bullet point view of it. So it's not this long rhetorical story. It's here's why I think this falls under, here's what that means, and then this the justice might step in. So well, but wait a minute, in that case. That was decided this. How does that apply to this case? And so yeah. they they really do a cool job because then you can go back and look at all those and what they thought. But it's they're just so super interesting to listen to. And 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 uh, I, I love. I mean, they're. I mean, they're, if you're if you're a nerd like we me, get hooked. Get you can, in, exactly. We're so, we're law nerds. We yeah, really are. But, we love but, it because that stuff is so interesting how it plays out yeah, it and it, and you, you hear some great arguments. So all right, well that, there's that's, probably another podcast that's talking about gallbladders and medicine. That ain't us. I mean. When, when it comes Call to that stuff, we don't give a damn. Yeah, you know, some, yeah, some guy sitting there holding up a, you know, a ventricle of the heart and everybody going, ooh and ah, that's all cool shit. But I'm telling yeah. you, the law is where it's at, folks. All right. Well, <laughs> on that note, um, you know, check You're out our p- Patreon site where we do talk about gallbladder. Yeah, this week. so we we're gonna get into some some good ones on that. We've had some other cases on there and yeah. some personal stuff that we do on the Patreon side. Um, just to to check out, you can actually sign up there now for a few days for free to check it out, and then and then decide if you want to. Now that's a new thing that they have on there, which is cool. Wow. Uh, but but yeah, so you can hop on there, check out the other stuff that we do. Um, we get into some of our either personal stories more and with some photos, or we talk about other cases in depth that we don't want to on here because we got to keep the chuds out of the comments as much as we yep. can. So this is one way to do that. Although most of the, the, the comment actually type people, those chuds, they're not going to listen to a podcast like this because there's too much going on and that would require them to come exactly. up with some sort of, uh, I have to have uh, ammo you know, to be a sniper. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so, but, uh, thanks to those who, who, who've reached out, continue reaching out, please, yeah. please left of Greg at gmail.com. And, don't forget that training changes behavior. That's all for today, folks. But if you'd like even more content, you can head over to our Patreon page. The link can be found in the episode details. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, follow us on social media, and please tell your friends about the show. Thanks for tuning in and thank you for your support.